Hey, everybody. Welcome to Muscle Maven Radio. I'm your host, Ashley Van Houten. Thank you so much for being here, as always. I hope you're enjoying your spring so far. We're, we're in it now. It's April. Um, the weather's getting nicer, which if you listen to this podcast often, you know that that's usually a point of contention for me living in Canada. Um, part of me feels like I probably am not meant to live here year round, and usually I don't, but <laughs> this year has been uh, different circumstances, as you know. So I got to sit outside and get some sun. This week, I got some vitamin D on my skin. I got a little bit of a tan line. I felt like a human again. It was fantastic. I hope you guys got outside and got some sun as well. Um, This episode of the podcast is with my basically part-time co-host at this point, Rachel Gregory. You know and love her by now. Um, She is a, a coach, a trainer. She has her own podcast called Metflex and Chill. We are doing a super, super awesome uh, program together that we've been working on for months. That's actually launching this week. It's called Muscle Science for Women. It's a three-month uh, program all about hypertrophy, muscle growth, strength building for women. Um, we are very, very excited to to put it out there. We were so so happy and excited with the response that we got. We probably got more than twice as many signups as we expected to, um, which makes us feel really good that you guys are, you know, listening to the podcast. Maybe uh, you trust us um, with your time and uh, believe that we're we're there to to help teach you and guide you so that you can you can figure this stuff out on your own when you're done working with us. That's the whole point. Um, and just to promote sustainable, real, healthy, um, living and training and, uh, enjoyment of the gym. You know, this isn't about punishment. This isn't about trying to get to some perfect place in 21 days or less. This is about learning about your body and how it works and feeling good and feeling empowered and feeling confident and feeling strong. So, We're very excited about it, but this episode is actually one that we recorded earlier, um, maybe late last year, and it was uh, a series that we were doing. We had put out some questions on social media, um, and we'll actually ask for your questions on different topics, and this one is nutrition. So Nutrition 101, we got a bunch of questions um, from you guys, and we just kind of went through and uh, answered some. So we talked about things like eating for uh, hormone optimization, um, how sleep and food cravings are connected. So that's a big one. Uh, talk, we talked about stuff like keto sweeteners, what's good, what isn't, um, tips for snacking, whether you want to snack better or snack less. Um, we talked about food, food and eating and everything that comes with it. So this one was really fun. This one was really uh, straightforward. There's a very cute puppy at the beginning, which um, makes me think that you should be watching this on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. If um, you don't normally, if you normally listen uh, on your phone, maybe you should check this one out on YouTube because there's a very cute puppy at the beginning. Um, And also, I just wanted to take this time to mention, um, because I have been talking about coaching on the podcast, one of my more recent episodes was me talking about the problems I, I have uncovered with coaching and how I'm, I'm trying to, in my own little sphere of the world, um, make it better. Uh, and relating to nutrition, I do have a, a service that's available to you guys. Um, it's kind of something different that I've been testing for the last like month, and it's a, an online portal. It's a habit coaching um, sort of platform. And I kind of see it as sort of the middle ground between um, a very in-depth coaching relationship, like the typical one that you guys might be familiar with, where you know you'd get on the phone or get on a call with a coach once a week, and they would give you a food plan and they'd tell you what to do, and then you'd have to do it uh, until you got to the goal that you wanted, which is a tool that can work and it's effective sometimes. It's not something I see as particularly sustainable or empowering or joyful or fun for either parties, but I, I understand the value of it sometimes. Um, but then, of course, there's sort of the other side where you just follow somebody that you think is fit and buy their PDF that says, here's how you should eat. Not a lot of, um, 
not a lot of interaction, not a lot of support. Um, and it's great for maybe super motivated people um, and people who would respond to whatever that very specific template is. But I wanted to create something in the middle because I don't want to micromanage people. I'm not interested in telling you everything you should put in your mouth or not. Um, and so what I wanted to do was create an online space that had resources and information for you um, and was laid out in a way that kind of kept you coming back and interested and learning and checking things out and trying new things, a little bit of motivation, a little bit of momentum for you. It also provided a space where you can talk to me personally. So we don't have to have a Zoom call every couple of days. Um, we don't have to talk all the time. But if you have questions about food, sort of like the questions you were asking in this podcast, if you have questions about nutrition or hydration or sleep or micronutrients or macronutrients or whatever it is, you can ask me and you get the real me in the platform answering your questions. Um, so I kind of saw it as like sort of the best of both worlds. Um, I've had a couple people go through the program and they seem to enjoy it. It's, it may not be for everybody because it is potentially a little bit more hands-off. Um, you have to take the initiative to kind of go in there and read the information and the resources and try things and talk to me. Um, but I think it's it has potential to be very cool and very helpful. And, and again, one of those things where it's teaching you um, so that you can do these things on your own, so that you don't need coaches. Like a good coach should not want you to hang around forever. A good coach should want to impart some wisdom, give you some tools, and move on. Um, and that's what I want to have happen. So anyway, I'm going to put the link um, to that program, um, in the show notes and I'll put it in my stories and stuff. So you can check it out if you are interested and you, you can't find it for some reason, let me know, send me an email. I'll get you the information. It's also of course on my website. Um, but I just wanted to run that by you because, um, I just want to offer more actual valuable ways for people to be happier and healthier. So that's that without further ado, here is our very, uh, fun puppy filled chat about nutrition uh, with me and Rachel, and I hope you enjoy it. It's important. <laughs> it's important to get the puppy in the shot right off the top so that people realize this is a quality podcast and there's a good reason for them to be tuning in. Baby Lilo is here. Hi. Hi Look how people. cute. Okay. So how long have you had uh, Lilo at this point? Um, less than a week. So my goodness. Oh my so God. She's good. so cute. Can you even, are you like immediately, um, like house training her? Like, does that happen right away? Yeah. Trying, yeah. trying. Yeah. I've watched tons of like videos, like training videos and stuff. Um, all about like, you know, how to properly potty trainer and like all that stuff. And then also like crate trainer and stuff. She's um, so cute. So, how big will she get? She's trying to show her booty off to the camera. I mean, um, she'll be probably, they said like max 30 pounds. She's a mini golden doodle. Um, so, max 30 pounds, but she was smaller. So, she was, yeah, probably like the smaller of her litter. So, she'll probably be, I don't know, like 25, 20. Okay, she's right? the cutest. Um, last question How did you come up with the name? So she actually had the name Lilo. So they named her, they named <clears throat> the dogs from the breeders, breeder I got her from. And I was thinking of changing it, but then I was like, I kind of like Lilo. And it's then I was thinking, um, if I get another one down the line, we can name him Stitch. Of course. She'll have a brother. Just for the record, you did ask for my input and I'm pretty sure I gave you an awesome recommendation. I think it was either like Thor or maybe oh, yeah, like Thor. killer or something, because that's what I would name a dog or a child is Thor or killer, or maybe, I don't know, Rocky or, um, Conan, something really over the top, terrifying for an adorable little baby puppy, because I just think that's funny. But anyway, yeah. maybe if I get a puppy, I'll call it killer. We'll see. Well, do you ever, do you ever think you'll get one? I don't know. I mean, I feel like I'll probably just graduate straight to the kid thing. Cause at least the kid will eventually, you know, change its own diapers. <laughs> so, you know, kids will grow up to like, appreciate you. Hopefully, I don't know, take care of themselves a little bit. Like, you know, yeah. 
but then whatever look at this face i know i know maybe i'll just continue to be a very cute did i ever send you did i send you the picture last week when i was um dog sitting like a grown-up lilo did i send you this picture i don't think so a friend of mine um let me dog sit her adorable sweet golden doodle she's just the sweetest personalities like they just want to yeah. like sit there and cuddle and be adorable and love you and i was like all right i get it i see what's happening here my excuse for the longest time was that i traveled too much but now that that's mm-hmm. not a thing anymore i guess i don't really have a reason so yeah we'll that's see. uh that's why i took the plunge yeah like there's no other time but quarantine time look at little baby All lilo right. okay say bye to play? lilo say bye bye okay while bye, you do bye. that i'm going right. to i'm gonna go drop her off in her bed okay be right back okay and while she does that, I'm going to introduce you to what we're actually talking about today. We don't have to talk about puppies for an hour. We're going to talk about nutrition um, because as you may have caught on to, Rachel and I have been doing these Q and A's together uh, for a little while, kind of crowdsourcing questions from our um, combined audiences um, because there do seem to be questions that kind of keep coming up over and over again around some main topics like cardio, muscle building, um, nutrition and things like that. So this conversation that Rachel's just coming back into is going to be the nutrition one. And we've got a bunch of questions and we're going to dive in. That's a very big topic, of course, saying nutrition is basically like saying this episode's about working out. Like that's very, (laughs) that's a very big topic, but we're just going to take some of the questions that um, you guys asked us and see where the conversation goes. Let's do it. All right, let's bring up these questions, nutrition. Okay, um, all right, I'll ask this first one and you can you can start. Tips and tricks for hormone imbalances, specifically around ghrelin and leptin. So this is gonna get science-y right off the top. Yeah, okay, so, oh man. So there's so many, like, it depends with this one because tips and tricks for hormone imbalances. Okay, well, so I would yeah. say, yeah, I would say first, like, what are you doing? Right. So where are you at with like your overall nutritional intake? Right. So, um, like we know that, you know, if you are in a caloric deficit, you will inherently have, you know, decreases or increases in these certain hormones. So let's just say, let's just tell the people what ghrelin and leptin are first. So these are your quote unquote hunger hormones. So ghrelin is your hunger hormone. And when that increase, when that's increased, that basically tells you, okay, I'm hungry. Um, I think of this as like the, you know, the way I distinguish these and how I study them in school, it's like ghrelin starts with grr. So like when you're hungry, you're like grr, Mm. angry. Right. Okay. I like Um, it. (laughs) And then leptin is just the opposite. Leptin is the satiety hormone. Um, so leptin, when leptin's, you know, increased, it obviously means that you're, you know, feeling more satiated. And then when leptin is decreased, it's, uh, you have probably more hunger occurring. Um, and we know that these are regular parts of, you know, dieting is one of the, one of the kind of concept, not concepts, but one of the things that happens when you are dieting is called metabolic adaptation. And so when that happens, your body starts to kind of change the way that these hormones are working. And so with chronic, with dieting, leptin tends to decrease and ghrelin tends to increase. That's just part of kind of the, you know, putting yourself in a caloric deficit, putting yourself in a quote unquote, you know, you're actually a diet is technically you're starving yourself to some extent. Right. So when that happens, those hormones are going to, um, kind of change what's happening with that. So do you have, do you want to add to any of that? No, you're doing great. What they are. Keep going. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, tips and tricks for hormone imbalances specifically around ghrelin and leptin. So I would say with, um, I think one of the biggest things with leptin in general is that, um, the, when we talk about leptin, the, uh, it's really, I think related to your body fat percentage as well. So when you get to a certain body fat percentage on the lower end, that's when things start to occur in a negative sense with leptin. Um, I think leptin is very much related to your body fat percentage and where that's at versus the composition of your actual diet. Um, if that makes sense. So, Mm -hmm. 
um, there was, you know, there's been a lot of research that you know, increasing carbohydrates can help to increase leptin, but I feel like, especially from the research that I've seen recently, it's more so just overall caloric intake and overall where your body, body fat percentage is at. Um, and then there's also a, the opposite spectrum. So if you are severely overweight or over or obese, there is something called leptin resistance, which I'm not going to get like, we don't have to dive too far into that, but it's where you become resistant to the leptin that you do have, you know, circulating in your body and that can cause some issues as well. Um, so I would say tips and tricks for hormonal imbalances would be definitely, you know, if you are, um, you know, for example, if you're in a caloric deficit and you are chronically dieting and you are, you know, noticing that your hunger is just constantly high and there's no, like you're super food focused, you just can't satiate yourself by any means. It probably means that it's time to either get out of the deficit or incorporate maybe a diet break or some refeed days or something like that, where you're basically just bringing your calories up. Um, we, you know, in the form of carbohydrates is one in one sense. Um, but with that, a lot of people think, you know, if you just increase your carbohydrates, that's going to increase your leptin. Um, I think there's a little bit more to that in the sense of, I think more research is coming out recently that it's more so, like I said, just the actual calorie bump versus the carbohydrate bump. Um, so that would be my kind of take on that side of things, but I don't know. What do you, what do you I mean, I think from, from a higher, like a more macro perspective, um, just adding to what you are saying, I think that, um, supporting your hormones means to be aware of and give your body what it needs, not necessarily what your brain wants and needs. And so again, to kind of further that, um, oftentimes what we want is a perfect, uh, Instagram skinny body with abs. And so we restrict our food. We restrict macronutrients and micronutrients. We exercise too much, um, to get to this goal that we want, which is directly opposite of what our hormones in order for them to function healthily require. So it's understanding it's doing the work of figuring out what does your body need? Do you actually, are you going to respond much better if you put a little bit more carbs back in your diet, or if you eat a bit more protein, or if you take more recovery days than hard workout days. Um, and that can be a really hard thing for people to reconcile because we talked about this a little bit on other podcasts, um, that sometimes what your brain wants, what your goals are, what you fantasize about isn't what your body needs and what your body wants to be healthy. And so it is kind of a constant battle, I think, between our ego and our bodies and what we hope for versus what's realistic or what we want versus what's sustainable. And it's, it's a deeper conversation that you need to have with yourself because I'm not somebody who's going to say, don't ever try to lose weight or don't ever try to have abs or don't ever try to do an ultra marathon because those things are unhealthy because they aren't necessarily and maybe they aren't for a short period of time, but maybe they are unhealthy for you. And maybe we do have to reposition our goals and our ideas and um, prioritize health over aesthetics or prioritize health over uh, a fleeting goal. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that there are sometimes what I'm saying is there are sometimes um, different requirements for your goal versus your health. And uh, that's why working with nutritionists and working with functional medicine physicians and working with trainers who can help you really get down to the root of what you need to function and thrive. And that you know goes to your hormones too, what your hormones need to function and thrive. And then from there, you can make some adjustments if you've got some other secondary goals. But ultimately, I mean, who cares if you have abs, if you're miserable and sick, or <laughs> yeah. who cares if you improved your 10 K time, if your hormones are ruined. Right. So, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of the, the overarching thought that I have about it. Yeah, for sure. And then I would say another kind of like, if we're talking about like tips and tricks, I would say one of the biggest things too is sleep. So we know that like sleep and there's been multiple, multiple studies on this, that sleep can have um, an adverse effect on especially ghrelin. Um, so if you are, you know, deficient in sleep, if you're not sleeping well, we see that ghrelin can increase. Um, so that would be one like tip and trick, which is be, get better sleep and do things to ensure that you are, you know, getting enough sleep and good quality sleep. And that would obviously, you know, be paying attention to all the things that, you know, 
will facilitate that. So whether it's, you know, making sure you have a good nighttime routine in place, um, you're not, you know, constantly on, you know, scrolling through Instagram before you go to bed, um, all, all of the, the sleep hacks. I actually have like a, a sleep tips and tricks type thing on my website. Um, mm. I can send you the link or yeah, and put yeah. that in the show notes. Yeah. yeah I mean, raise your hand if you have ever stayed up super late and then the next day just crushed a bunch of carbs. You're like, what's going on? Why am I so hungry? Yeah. That's why, because you slept like garbage and your hormones are like, uh oh, you're like doing some messed up stuff. Let's protect ourselves. Let's feed ourselves. So mm-hmm. yeah, sleep again. And yeah. I, I speak from experience as somebody who has a hard time sleeping. Like it's, it's everything. Sleep is everything. Mm-hmm. It's more important really at an acute level than diet, because if, if you're eating everything properly and your sleep is shit, it's not, you're not going to have the outcome you want. So yeah. Um, for yeah. Sure. If I sleep, yeah. If I sleep like crap the next day, I am a hundred percent more hungry. Like yesterday, again, puppy issues last night, not this night, not yesterday, but the day before I just slept like crap. She was up every few hours. And yesterday I was so hungry all day and it's just directly related. So yeah, it's crazy. Get some sleep, get some sleep guys. Um, all right. What is the next question? Do you want me to ask, do you want to go back and forth? Yeah, you go for it. Okay. What are your thoughts on erythritol? Erythritol. That's such a hard word to say. It really wrecks havoc on my digestion, but it's in so many keto products. Yeah. I mean, we can do a rant on this one because I'm pretty sure we've had conversations after the last keto con, um, that we were at together and I had lots of feelings about it. Um, of course I miss it now. Cause I wish we could go to a event and hang out in large groups, but yeah. I couldn't believe KetoCon, this keto event and expo. And there's like a big trade show floor with all these companies and all these new products. And I just couldn't believe how much sugary, high calorie, dense, fake processed crap there was at this thing. I'm sorry. It just, it was crazy. Like paleo, paleo FX or whatever these paleo things, there's kind of the same issue. Like you start to lose track of like, what's the purpose of the paleo diet? And instead say, how can we make a brownie cupcake paleo, you know? (laughs) And so a keto was kind of doing the same thing where it was less about let's come up with a, a diet a dietary approach that's going to help people get more metabolically healthy. And it was like, how can we make every dessert on the planet have zero net carbs? Like, and the, the result was just this crazy, these crazy, like Franken foods that were just like 40 grams of fat in a in a little ball of chocolate that had eight different sweeteners. It was crazy. And like, I, you know, of course I was eating all of it. Yeah. So like, <laughs> two days in, I was like, oh, like my entire body's made of erythritol now. Like, what have I done to myself? Like, it's bad. Um, and the more I learned about it, I was just, I just felt like there were so many areas there that were missing the mark because it was, first of all, they were all snacks. They were all sweet snacks. And if the point of, of trying for keto, trying to be in ketosis is that you aren't at the whim of your cravings. If you don't constantly need a little sweet something every couple of hours to keep you going. And then this whole market is like, Ooh, little sweet fat bombs that are 4 billion calories. I was just like, what is happening? Like it was so weird. So anyway, rant. Um, but I do think, (laughs) I do think that there, there is a problem uniquely in the keto industry that again, is speaking more to, um, the most important thing being zero carbs, not that this is a healthy product that is going to nourish your body. It's just like, what chemical composition can we put together so that you don't have any, you don't, you're not absorbing any carbs in this food. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, listen, you, this person who asked the question knows that erythritol is bad for their digestive system. Don't eat it. You're yeah. not getting any benefit from it. Don't eat it. You can make yeah. your own keto snacks. You can um, make your own whole foods things that are going to fix that craving. If you have a craving for sweet, or if you have a craving for chocolate or something that's kind of carby feeling, even if it doesn't have carbs, you can do your own thing. Don't buy this garbage that has 10 different sweeteners in it. That makes you feel like crap just because it has zero carbs. That's we're totally losing sight of what this, the point of this was. Um, with that said, I mean, there are a lot of different types of sweeteners that are, mm-hmm on the, um, spectrum more or less natural, or, um, that we may, um, have an easier time digesting and ones that have been tested that, that tend to have less of an effect on blood sugar that are going to not be as 
problematic to your digestive system, generally speaking, um, this still is going to be completely individual. So like, for example, I really like stevia. I, a lot of people think it has a super gross, strong aftertaste. I don't really find that. Um, mm -hmm. I don't find that it, um, I find that it, it helps me deal with sweet cravings without me like kind of overdoing it. Um, I find that I digest it fine. So I use stevia in almost everything that I want to sweeten. I have no problem with it. A lot of people find the same thing. Like inulin is another one that's more of a like digestive starch, I guess, that people put in keto foods. Um, that can be really problematic for some people's digestion. Um, monk fruit is another one mm -hmm. that people use. I, again, because I'm not strict keto, so this may not apply to the person asking the question, but when I wanna create a sweet, a, a treat or a dessert that's healthier, so I make it myself, I don't necessarily use keto-friendly sweeteners. I just use natural sweeteners that either I enjoy, that I know I digest well, and that I'm also getting something else out of. So raw honey is a great one. It's full of antioxidants, vitamins, and minerals. It's a health food. If you eat a ton of it, it's also sugar, and it's going to yeah. like jack up your blood sugar, but it, it has health benefits. So I'm going to put honey in my homemade paleo muffins or whatever, because it's mm -hmm. going to sweeten it, and it's also going to give me some benefit, and I like it, um, because I'm not thinking carbs are the only thing that is the issue here. The issue is that I want something that's going to satisfy me, that I'm going to digest properly, that isn't going to make me feel gross, um, and that I know what's going into it. So um, long story short, if you you already know the answer, erythritol is bad for you, don't eat it. There's plenty of other things you can eat that are going to give you a, a, you know, fix your sweet cravings that aren't going to wreck your digestion mm -hmm. um and uh experiment because there's a ton out there there's a ton of different yeah. sweeteners you can use yeah i agree i like <clears throat> wow sorry i personally like monk fruit and stevia like the liquid form so mm -hmm. i like having a little bit of sweetness in my coffee in the morning so i'll put um, a few drops of monk fruit um, and then sometimes stevia too when it comes to like baking that's i think when you're looking to like bake low carb treats and things like that. Um, a lot of people look towards erythritol because it does have, um, more of a ratio to sugar, right? So when you're looking at the bulk side of things, um, so that's one thing I would say, I actually, have you heard of Boca sweet or kabocha extract? Um, kabocha, here we go yeah, again. Here we go. <laughs> I actually haven't. Yeah. So it's another, it's like a very, um, new sweetener to the market, I guess you could say. Um, and it comes from Japan, um, which is the, where the kabocha, kabocha is from. It's literally kabocha is Japanese pumpkin. That's what it stands for. Um, so kabocha extract. And the only company that I know who actually sells it is Boca Sweet. That's the company. And you can actually buy it on Amazon. It is more expensive. Um, I actually have a whole blog post where I dive into the research behind kabocha extract and kind of go into all of that. Um, but I use that, like when I'm looking to make, you know, a, like brownies or something like that. And if I'm not using, like I I'll use honey or maple syrup sometimes, but if I'm making it, you know, super low carb or something like that, or if I'm sharing it with other people who are, you know, strict keto, then I'll use uh Boca sweet or kabocha extract because for one, it actually doesn't have like that cooling effect mm. afterwards that erythritol has. And then I've noticed that it doesn't have, like, it doesn't upset my digestion at all. Um, but again, some people are different. I've, I've heard some people say that it still has a, an digestive issues with them. Um, but that would be something to look into. So kabocha extract. I like uh, coconut sugar too. Like that brand oh, yeah. swerve that makes a bunch of different products that are, mm -hmm. because a lot of times too, you have to worry about with different sweeteners, the ratios, cause it's not going to act like normal sugar or brown sugar or whatever. And a mm -hmm. lot of that company, I don't have any affiliation with them, but a lot of that company, they make everything from like powdered sugar to, to brown sugar to, I don't know, all kinds of different offerings, depending on what you need to use it for. Um, and it's easier to use because it's essentially just a replacement instead of you having to do like all kinds of chemical math to figure out how much, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, look, we're all going to react to this stuff differently. So ultimately it's about um, you figuring out, do some experiments and see what works for you. But just because erythritol is in everything doesn't mean that it's good and doesn't mean that it's the answer. And if it's proven definitively that it's not good for you, move on because there's so many better ways you can uh, eat a donut if you want. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Okay. Next question. Ooh, this is a big one. Thoughts on improving digestion, especially if you want to start to up your protein. This is good. Um, I like this because it is 
somebody who I am thinking is acknowledging that they need to start eating more protein for a specific reason, which is great because we tend to, I think, especially women tend to not eat enough of it, but, um, that is a valid concern, right? If you're used to eating one particular way and then you're going to change it pretty dramatically, um, there may be some digestive issues that come with that. So do you have any thoughts there? Yeah, I would say first off, just if you are, you know, looking to increase your protein rather than going, you know, if you're consuming maybe, I don't know, just numbers, 70 grams of protein, you're like, I need to get up to like 150 grams, maybe not the best idea to go from 70 grams to 150 grams right away, probably bumping that up gradually over the course of a few weeks. Um, So maybe adding, you know, like 20 grams a day or something like that. Um, and just gradually increase it, that will one help. And that just makes sense, right? You're just gradually increasing it. So you're having, um, you know, less could potentially have less issues with that. Um, I would say just digestion in general, like thinking about, you know, and I've, we've talked about this all the time, like being in that, you know, parasympathetic state when you're eating. And when I say parasympathetic state, if just, you know, if you're, if, whoever's listening doesn't know parasympathetic is that rest and digest mode. Like literally that's what it's called. And sympathetic is the flight or fight mode, right? So rest and digest, that means that, you know, being in that parasympathetic state and being in that restful digestion mode, that is going to help with your digestion, right? So if you are, you know, eating in your car on the way to work, or you're like scrolling through Instagram, you're not paying attention to what you're eating and you're just, you know, or you're whatever you're doing, you're watching TV and you're just getting like hyped up or whatever it is you, maybe you eat right after your workout and you're still in that sympathetic state. That's one of the biggest things for me personally, that when I pay attention to getting into that, like relaxed state, like breathing before I sit down to like consume my meal, that in itself just really, really helps with, you know, being mindful around digestion. Um, and then, you know, you can, I know you talk a lot, a lot about this incorporating potentially digestive enzymes, especially those that help to specifically break down the protein. Um, we can, do you want to dive into that a little bit? Excuse me for a brief moment, friends and listeners. I want to tell you about a new show sponsor that I'm very excited to be working with. The company is called Medicine Man Plant Co. And yes, the word plant is in there. So you might be thinking again, what's going on with my organ meat eating uh, podcast host who's now seems to be all about the plants. Uh, The reality is I've never been anti-plant. I've never been against plant medicine and plants in your diet. Um, I understand the deep, deep, Uh, connection that human beings have to plant medicine and how it's something that we have used to treat ailments and treat sicknesses and um, be robust, healthy um, human beings with strong immune systems for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Um, And I recognize that it's important and that's why I've almost always supplemented with some kind of uh, plant-based supplement. This company, um, they understand that our culture does tend to have a little bit of maybe fear or trepidation around um, herbal supplements, which is kind of crazy um, when you think about how medicalized our society is. And listen, this is not a conversation about um, modern medicine being bad and plant medicine being the only way. I do not believe that. I believe that we are at a beautiful time in life that we have access to all of the resources that we have to make ourselves healthy and happy. Um, but I do think it's interesting that we we don't often ask for the ingredients of the pills at our local pharmacy, but um, we're very, very mistrusting of um, herbal supplements and plant supplements. And it makes sense because in the US, we really don't have a, a, a governing body that's actually paying attention to a lot of that stuff. And so sometimes the things that you um, buy and pay for are not the things that you get but that's not the case with this company. They do very rigorous third-party testing to ensure the purity of their products. Um, so what you are paying for and what you are buying is what you are getting. Um, they have a range of products that support different um, processes in the body. The one that I have been using the most and that I really like um, is their immune pill. 
I was using it throughout the winter when, you know, your natural immunity is going down because you're not, well, at least up in Canada, you're not really out in the sun. You're not uh, doing the healthy things that you're normally doing. So their supplement has vitamin C, it has elderberry, it has cordyceps, it has echinacea, um, all very well tested products that together can help you um, stay healthy as long as you're doing all the other good things, right? So uh, learn more about this company at medicinemanplantco.com. You can use my discount code, uh, MuscleMaven, of course, for 20% off. Go check out their products. Go have a read. Learn about them. If you have any questions, send me a message. We can chat about it. I'll be putting out more information um, over the coming weeks as we continue to partner together and um, and try to teach people about some of these ingredients. Um, but I wanted to pass that along to you because I like the company. I like their products. I've been using them and liking them. And so I thought you should know about them as well. So once again, it's medicinemanplantco.com. Discount code is MuscleMaven for 20% off. Go get you some. Now back to the show. Yeah, um, everything you're saying, I agree with. It's like, try not to eat in a rush. Try not to eat while you're stressed out or arguing with somebody on the internet or something. Like being stressed is absolutely going to, I mean, everybody knows when you're super upset or when you're super nervous or anxious, what happens? Your stomach cramps, you you know, have to go to the bathroom. You're like all kinds of, that's, that's literally your digestion, like, in a sympathetic mode. So do you mm-hmm. want to put food in there when that's happening? Ideally you do not. Um, so yeah, like being in a more like chill, mindful, relaxed state. And, you know, I know there's probably lots of people listening who are like, I'm always in a rush. Like, am I just going to not eat? And so then you need to, you need to balance, right? Because if you are way busier than me and you've got kids and lots of responsibilities, yeah, sometimes you're going to have to, you know, make some concessions, but that's when you, uh, deal with digestion, you deal with digestive enzymes, you figure out foods that you know you can kind of tolerate and and handle really well um, and just try to avoid eating on the run whenever you can. But the other thing too is like meat generally, if we're talking about like the hierarchy of foods that are tough to digest, meat isn't usually one of them. I mean, that's why a lot of people with autoimmune issues and um, stomach issues, they're eating protein instead of vegetables for that very mm-hmm. reason. So it can be, like you said, sort of the jump from zero to a hundred. If you're like basically a vegan and then you want to start eating carnivore, like, yeah, you're ease your way into it. Um, but generally protein isn't something because it is, again, we're meant to eat it. Um, our, our bodies and our digestive systems are created to digest meat. Um, so chew your food, mm. right? chew it, sit there, chew it, um, cook it properly, enjoy what you're eating. Um, one tip that I learned actually from, um, OPT, you know, James Fitzgerald, he's like a big Mm -hmm. fitness smart guy. Um, one thing that he taught me that always stuck, he said it, he says it all the time, but it really stuck with me because it seemed kind of counterintuitive to me was to not drink a ton at -hmm. meals. Um, so I'm always like, mildly dehydrated and I don't drink enough. So I'm always like, okay, I got to get more, like get my drink in and like keep drinking whatever. And so you think like, okay, this is good. I'm sitting down. I've got my meal. I got my water. Let's, you know, drink in between the meat, the bites and all that stuff, but you actually don't want to dilute your um, stomach acid and the, all the good stuff that's in your gut. That's helping you break down the food. If you're chugging water along with it, Mm -hmm. that's actually going to make the digestion um, process a little bit more difficult. So not to say don't ever drink while you're eating, while you're eating, but you kind of want to like maybe save it, drink a little bit less, like kind of some sips. You don't want to be like chugging water along with your food. So that's another one. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, like I said, like we were talking about the digestive enzymes, the probiotics, um, a company I really like is BioOptimizers, BioOptimizers. We can put them in the show notes so people can check them out. It's worked dramatically for me. I don't take digestive enzymes and probiotics all the time um, because I, again, I don't want to become too reliant on things. And I feel like if my digestion is fine and if my health is fine, I don't need to go overboard. But during periods of stress, during periods of travel, if I'm noticing my digestion or just, you know, maybe my skin is like any kind of indication that my digestion isn't good, I'm going to get on those right away. And I've noticed like a tangible, significant difference when I use that product. So that's why Mm -hmm. I talk about them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's, that's covering all the bases, yeah. like do it gradually, pay attention, um, be mindful, sit down, chew your food. That's yeah. it. Yeah. I would say one more thing. And this is something that I just thought about recent or have been thinking about recently too, is, 
um, when like a lot of people don't realize that your digestive enzymes, actually your body starts to produce them. The first place is in your mouth, right? So your salivary digestive enzymes, digestive enzymes, you start to produce those before you even take a bite of your food. So when you anticipate the food coming, when you smell that food being prepared, when you start to prepare the food, when you're at a restaurant and you put your, your order in with the waitress or waiter, right when you do that, the digestive process starts then, right? So that's when you start to produce those enzymes. So if you go from like, you're working and then you go immediately to warm your food up in the microwave for like a minute or something, then you scarf it down. You haven't given your body enough time to say, okay, I'm getting ready to start eating. I need to start producing these enzymes to start the digestion process. Um, so I think that's something, another thing to kind of think about too, like how much time are you taking to prepare your food before you eat it? Or how much time in between, you know, the thought of consuming your meal before you actually consume it. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's just one, one extra thing to think about. Yeah. It's like food is one of the greatest pleasures in your life. Why rush through it? And we all do it. I mean, I, I like Hoover down my food sometimes too, but it, it is nicer with anything that's pleasurable in life to take your time and enjoy it. Like, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's not going anywhere. Um, okay. All right. Next question. You want me to answer? I mean, ask, sorry. Sure. Tips for snacking, how to do less of it and how to optimize it and eat better snacks. Mm -hmm. Very good question. Um, lots going on there. So some of it, uh, the concept of snacking, I suppose is, um, another kind of semantics question. So like, I like to eat depends. I go through phases, but like, I kind of like to eat more meals during the day rather than fewer big ones. Um, I don't know why I, maybe it's just my personality. Maybe it's just that I love to eat so much that I don't want to wait for one big meal. I'd rather just be kind of eating all day long. I'm the same. Um, yeah. And like, and I think women tend to be more like that. Like we give ourselves a hard time and, and say that it's because we have no willpower or we just need sugar all the time or whatever, but maybe there is something physiological there that maybe we're smaller, maybe it's that gatherer kind of nature that we just, it's better for us to kind of be having small, more frequent, smaller meals. Not for everybody. I know lots of women who eat one or two times a day and love to fast and all that kind of thing. But I think not giving yourself a hard time, if you've, if you've tried different types and you like to eat four or five smaller meals in the day, instead of one or two, that's okay. You know, it's, um, it's again, it's more about like, are you, are you nourishing yourself when you're eating? Are you mindful when you're eating and are you eating because you need to eat or are you eating because you're bored or because you're sad or because it's in front of you? So that's sort of the bigger thing. Um, my biggest, uh, tip that I give to everybody who's like, how do I snack better? Or how do I snack differently is protein first protein first always, because then you know that you are actually hungry. You know that you are actually nourishing yourself and giving your body something that it needs. Um, and then if you are craving something like carbs or sugar or a treat, do what your parents told you to do forever growing up, eat your food first. And then if you still want it, you want it. Right. So there are lots of times when I'm feeling stressed out, when I'm stressed out, I eat more. I know a lot of people oh, yeah. who, when they're stressed, they eat less. I just like, I'm like, Oh, something bad happened to me today just shove it in my face. Like that's how I do it. And so when I try to get that under control, one of the things that I do is, is make a rule with myself that I'm going to eat protein first with every meal and with every snack. So that might look like left. I literally stuffed like half a chicken thigh in my mouth between our two calls today because <laughs> I didn't have time to eat a real meal, but I'm kind of hungry and I'm like, all right, it's protein. So I, you know, I'll eat some leftover chicken. I'll eat some, um, Greek yogurt. I'll have a protein shake. I'll do something that's protein first, um, which is satisfying and giving your body what it needs. And then if I'm like, okay, I'm legit. I just need, I need like, you know, some sweets or I need something, whatever I've gotten the good stuff in first. So now I'm going to go do that second thing. But if you have an option, like, do I want to eat corn chips or like sweet and salty popcorn or a chocolate bar or some leftover ground beef from yesterday? Like, obviously your cravings are going to tell you to eat some of this like low nutritional value stuff because that's more hyper palatable and it's, you know, it's delicious. So if you tell yourself it's protein first, you're, you may many times stop eating after the protein because you're satisfied and you got what you needed, or you may find out I'm actually not that hungry because if the only option for your snack is ground turkey or leftover steak, 
and you're like, oh, I'm not really hungry enough to like heat up the steak and cut it and sit there and eat it, then you probably didn't need to eat anything. Like I posted something a long time ago, like my, my attempt at a fun meme, which was like, you know, cravings 101. Like if you're not hungry enough to eat a steak, you're not hungry. Mm-hmm. And there's some truth to that. Like, cause you're yeah. always hungry enough to eat a cookie. You're always hungry enough to eat nachos, right? Cause that's what those foods are created for that you can eat them no matter what. But if you're not hungry enough to eat protein, you probably aren't hungry. So I think that's a good rule of thumb for a lot of people to follow. Um, yeah. And that would be my, my biggest thing. It's just like, I don't even consider like when I'm eating four meals a day, I don't really consider one of them as a snack. They're kind of just four sort of evenly um, divided meals that always have protein in them and then carbs or fat filled in based on what mm-hmm. my goals are and what I'm craving that day. Really? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I would say my biggest tip would just be like, set yourself up for success, right? If you are someone that, you know, you know, you are a snacker and you have these things in your house and in your pantry that are snack foods, right? For me, it's like, if I have snack foods all around, like I know they're there and I am a snacker as well. And if I get stressed, it's like, I'm going to turn to that, right? Because it's that hyper palatable stuff. But if I don't have it in the house, then I literally would have to like physically go out of my house, go to the store, like go through the whole process of going to buy that versus it's just in my pantry, like two feet away. Right. So Mm -hmm. set yourself up for success. I know there's like, you know, a lot of people talk about this moderation type of thing, which I do. I definitely like agree with the moderation side of things and like having, there's like a a kind of a camp of like, okay, well you should have these things, you know, in front of you so that you can actively not consume them, um, in terms of like using your willpower. Yeah. How often does that work? Yeah, I know. Especially with the, all the foods like that, you know, all the hyperpalatal processed crap that's literally manufactured to make us want to eat more of it. I kind of say like, you know, if you're someone who struggles with this, then why are you, you know, just don't keep them in the house, right? Don't do that. Maybe you get to a point where you want to try it, you know, try having, you know, some, I don't know, chips in your pantry and see if you can eat five chips and be okay with it. For me, that's not like, I'm going to eat the whole bag. So I can't have them in the house, but it's like out of sight, out of mind. If they're not in the house, then fine. Um, so my biggest thing was just set your environment up for you and for your success, because if you're not setting your environment up for yourself and what works for you, you're just making it harder for yourself. Right. And so that would be like, that would be my biggest tip, like set your environment up for success and know what you can handle for you personally and what you can't. Yeah. I love that. I mean, further to the moderation thing, which again, moderation and intuitive eating are fantastic ideas that rarely work in real life because of the the actual reality of what the food situation is in the world. Um, And I would almost take it another step where we've talked in the past about like getting rid of sort of like the morality language around food, like you're not bad because you ate junk food and junk food isn't bad and like all that stuff. Cause it just, it just creates negative associations that aren't helpful. But I would say that you could maybe consider looking at it more like picking your battles, right? Because there is infinite food options out there, tons of food options. Some are better, some are worse. Some are more triggering or appealing to you and some are less. And so it's sort of a concept of like, picking your battle. So for me, when I really am paying attention to the food that's going in my mouth, when I really need to, I'm trying to lean out for something like I have a specific goal. I will never say like, I'm never going to eat cookies again, or I'm never gonna, you know, have a old fashioned again, because I like those things. Right. Mm -hmm. But there are entire areas of less optimal, suboptimal food that I will a hundred percent crush if it's in front of me, but I don't really care or love those things. Like I could go the rest of my life. I know this is going to be sacrilege. I could go the rest of my life without eating a piece of pizza. I could, I like pizza. If somebody orders pizza, I'm going to eat it, but I don't crave it. I don't care, whatever. So I can, I can tell myself that for this period of my, my life, I'm not eating pizza. I'm not eating French fries. I'm not eating chips. They aren't worth it. Um, they're, you know, low nutritional food and it doesn't, it doesn't bring me joy the same way a donut or a cookie would. So it's like, 
figuring these things out in your head. It doesn't have to be black and white or forever, but you also don't have to say like, everything's on the table and it's a constant balance of saying yes to things sometimes and no and whatever. It's like, look, if it's not worth it, it's not worth it. Cut it out. That's less decision-making you need to make because willpower and motivation are all directly related to decision-making. And we know that our brains, we get decision fatigue and we can only do so much of it. So if you can cut some things out entirely that you're not even going to miss, it's not about saying that they're evil or bad, or you can never do it again, but it's just like, look, you got to prioritize. So you know, maybe I'll keep the cookies in the general rotation over here, but I don't need to say yes to everything. I don't need to be exposed to everything and, and constantly be making those stressful decisions. Yeah. What would you say is like, like, what would be like your top three favorite kind of like snack foods that you know that you can have in the house that would, um, you know, that aren't too triggering for you, but but mm. still, I would say considered like snacks. I don't know. Okay. That's a good one. I mean, one thing that I, and I don't really talk about this much, but like, cause I feel like some people might consider this like guilty pleasure or something, but I really like protein bars. Like some are better than others, obviously, but like I consider some of these like low carb, better nutrient protein bars, something that tastes like a dessert and a snack to me because they usually are like kind of high fat. They're usually chocolate flavored or whatever. Um, but the macros are usually pretty good. Like you're getting 25 grams of protein in this bar. Um, and it, I won't eat 50 of them because they're not chocolate bars. And also because they're mm -hmm. expensive and because I'm like, I don't need to eat four protein bars in a row. So like, that's something that I'll have in the house where I'm like, if I want to feel like I'm treating myself and I want something sweet that kind of tastes dessert, like that I'm not going to overdo. And that I know I'm also getting like a good dose of protein with it. Um, and I don't know, there's like, there's different brands, but like bulletproof bars are really good. Mm -hmm. Like those perfect keto bars. I really like, um, other ones like that, but tend to, there's ones that are maybe a bit more like whole foods. Like they'll have ingredients mm -hmm. that are like egg white and almonds and chocolate and whatever, you know? Um, mm -hmm. so that's something that I would do, but then I do stuff like, um, you know, uh, like maybe deli meat and cheese mm -hmm. or something. That's so nice. like, that's good. They're super easy to throw together. Um, you can make like some kind of, Oh, and I like to do, um, like Greek yogurt mixed with like chocolate protein powder oh and like God. maybe some like nut butter and like you're maybe... taking all my snacks see well th these are <laughs> it right? everything because... i was gonna say <laughs> but they're good because they're they're rich they're not like you're not eating yeah. like you know wafer thin oreo cookies because they're 100 calories less and there's nothing there's mm. nothing like restrictive about them it's just this is kind of decadent it's kind of sweet or special but it also is actually whole foods that have high protein that are gonna nourish you because that's yeah. the other worst thing is eating something Cause you're trying to fill a craving and it doesn't do it because it's just such cheap, low nutrition food that you want to eat a million of them. Right. So, yeah. um, yeah. Do you yeah. have anything other than the ones that I just stole? Yeah. I would say all those, um, for me, my go-tos are definitely Greek yogurt, cottage cheese, um, eggs, like hard boiled eggs, deli meat. Um, for me, protein bars are, you know, I keep those in the house, but I usually don't you know, eat those unless it's like if I'm traveling or something. Um, one of the things that for me is hard is like nuts, like having yeah. big containers of nuts around. Um, and then also like nut butter, mm -hmm. but with those things, I think, and this is something why I kind of like protein bars too, is cause you know, things that are individually wrapped and this is something that kind of like tricks you too. It's like, if I have like an individually wrapped protein bar, or if I have like you know, individually wrapped nuts or like little packets of nut butters. It's so much easier for me to personally moderate that. Um, if I am, you know, you know, really snacky or going through a period of time where I'm like super snacky or whatever it is, or high stress time. Cause I get very, very snacky with the stress. Yep. Um, having those individually packed things, it's just something like, you know, I'm only, if I'm eating, if I want nut butter, like I'll only eat that one packet of nut butter versus, you know, having that container there that I can just, you know, go back to multiple yes. times, you know, 100%. So making these kind of like, again, it's, it, it all comes back to setting the environment up for you mm -hmm. and for what works for you. So, yeah. Love it. Protein snacks. Okay. If you take nothing else protein. from this, it's eat your protein first. Cause yeah. it's just... oh, jerky too. Jerky. Oh yeah. I like jerky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Like it. Okay. Awesome. All right. You want me? Oh, wait. I don't even remember if I asked the last one. I can ask this one. Um, okay. This one came from one of your peeps and we had to kind of learn a little bit about it off offline, mm -hmm. but someone is asking about our thoughts on Ted Naiman's PE diet. So Rachel, maybe you can kind yeah. of briefly explain what that is. Cause I hadn't heard of it. 
Yeah. So I've heard of it. I'm not super, super familiar with it, but I do know that the basics of it, it's just PE stands for protein energy. Um, so he basically just is really all about, um, protein first and it's more of like a lower. And I would say like, I don't know if it's really a diet versus more just so like a concept of really pushing. Yeah. An approach to protein first with a lower carbohydrate, lower carbohydrate approach and the protein to energy ratio. That's what he talks about a lot and having protein as kind of the basis, um, of your overall diet, which we both absolutely agree with. Like we're all about protein here. (laughs) Um, so I mean, what are your thoughts on it? I, I think it's an awesome approach and I think it's cool because he explains, like he has a lot of these like infographics. Um, and I believe there's a book, it's like an ebook, the PE diet ebook. Um, and in that book, there's like tons and tons of infographics that just show like the satiety index talking about, um, protein and the, the energy ratio between protein, carbohydrates, and fat and all of that. And I would think, I think it's really just, you know, protein first. And, and I'm, I'm down for that. So, yeah, I mean, listen, that's no brainer. (laughs) That's, that's what we've just been talking about. That's what my book talks about. Like protein is king and queen as far as nutrition goes. Um, and, and I like the idea too, that it's maybe not so much a prescriptive diet as it is an approach, because as we talk about ad nauseum, which I'm sure people are tired of us saying, but like, (laughs) there isn't a one answer. There isn't like Joe Schmo's diet is the best one. So everybody go do that. And like, this is the best methodology for building muscle in the gym. Like there are key tenets that make sense, which we talk about and hammer home all the time. And it's sleep and stress management and movement and proper diet, right? Within that proper diet, it's eat enough protein to sustain your health and body function and muscle mass, because that's good for performance and longevity. But within that, like, okay, well then how do you fill in the rest of the macros? Like, how do you cycle on it? Whatever. Like that's where it gets in the weeds and that's where you have to do your own work. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's, it seems to me like it's a no brainer and in the, certainly in the industry that we're in and the research that's coming out, protein is incredibly important. It's the only macronutrient that we cannot create from scratch in our own bodies. We need it. We need to, to, to nourish ourselves with amino acids. That's, you know, however you get it. Um, Mm -hmm. and so the approach of protein first absolutely is, uh, for 99.9% of humanity, the right way to go. If someone's listening, what would you, what's your recommendation for like actual protein intake, like simple recommendation? Yeah. I mean, I obviously didn't come up with this. This is just based on other smart people I've talked to and what I've tried that I think makes the most sense as a starting point for people is one, uh, gram of protein per pound of lean body mass. So, Mm -hmm. um, and again, if you want to gain muscle, you might need more. If you need, have a lot of fat to lose, you might want to do a little bit less. And that again is if you're, if you're 200 pounds and you're overweight and you're trying to get to 140, you're not going to have 200 grams of protein necessarily. You might have, you know, closer to 125 to 150, depending on who you are and what your makeup is. But like for me, for example, um, you know, I hover around 130. I like to be like low, like, you know, 120 or 24 or something, but all of my like body, um, you know, DEXA scans and all of that stuff show that I'm like, I think somewhere around like 108, 110 pounds of like lean body mass. So I'm usually eating somewhere around like 115 to 125. Cause I'm always trying to kind of like be on the more like muscle gaining side, but not mm-hmm. over overly. So yeah, so I mean, I'm talking maybe 125 grams of protein for me a day, which to me doesn't sound crazy. I know a lot of women are like, I'm eating 50 grams of protein. How the hell am I ever going to get to 125? And that's where it's what we talked about earlier. It's about um, making mindful switches and doing it progressively and, you know, seeing how you feel. But I actually had a woman reach out to me on Instagram the other day and she's like, I have the opposite problem because I'm like, you know, she was like about my size and she's like, and I'm eating like 225 grams of protein a day. And it's like way too much. I'm like, you might be overkilling it a little bit. Like you probably, you know, and there can be some downsides to eating, you know, everything is bad in depending on the dose, right? Like even the best things are bad with the dose. Like if you drink too much water, you're going to die. So (laughs) everything is bad. You know, if you, if you have too much of it. Um, and, and, you know, I think there are like, there is some sort of science of like when you have too much protein, it's going to turn into glucose in your body. It's going to be used that way. It's going to be stored that way. Um, so you can overdo it just like you can overdo fat and carbs. You can overdo it. Um, 
I don't think that's the problem for most people. Most people aren't mm-hmm. chronically massively overdosing on protein. Um, but having a good starting point, you know, one pound, um, one gram per pound of lean body mass, I think makes sense. What do you, do you what do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah. So I generally go off of like kind of the, this, like in terms of like one gram, I actually go one gram per pound of body weight. Okay. Um, but that is with, you know, if you are overweight or obese, then I would, I would bring that down to like 0.8, maybe between 0.7, 0.8 grams per pound. And then even up to like 1.2 grams per pound of body weight, especially if you are a leaner individual, especially if you are in a, um, you know, fat loss phase or you're in a deficit, just because we know that a little bit more protein can be, can act as kind of like an insurance policy to help with maintaining that lean, maintaining that muscle mass. We know all the benefits of protein in terms of satiation, in terms of the thermic effect of food. Protein is the macro that you consume that takes the most energy to digest. So you're just putting yourself, you know, in a more kind of ideal situation with that. Um, I would personally say that like, I would rather see someone eating too much protein than eating too little protein. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. No matter who you are, that's per- pers- my personal opinion. Cause I just think that there's been actually like, yes, there is, can be definitely some negative effects to eating, to doing too much of anything. But I think there's been a lot or a few studies out there that have, you know, shown that eating large, large quantity of protein does not necessarily have the adverse effects that people think, especially with like kidney damage and stuff mm. like that. Um, so I think that's something that's like a misconception out there. Like if I eat too much protein, it's going to harm my kidneys. Um, I don't really think there's that much research, research to actually back that up. Um, so yeah, for me, I would definitely see uh, usually between like 0.8 to 1.2 grams per pound of body weight. Um, if you know your lean body mass, then definitely go off of that. But a lot of people are like, I don't really know. And I'm I'm not, you know, so, um, that's kind of the, the simplest the simplest way that I look at it. And it's funny because even though we have, we were kind of talking about slightly different um, numbers there, I really ended up doing basically what you're saying. Cause I took kind of like my lean body mass and then like added 15 grams of protein to it. So it yeah. like ends up sort of being essentially my body weight, but mm-hmm. yeah. And again, like we say with everything, it's sort of less about like, Oh, were you four, four grams off your protein goal today, you're screwed. It's just like consistency guys, like have a base Mm -hmm. baseline, have a benchmark, be consistent, pay attention to it, adjust as needed. But I would definitely agree that if you're going to, if you're going to go over, um, on anything protein Mm -hmm. before the other two, for sure. Um, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. hundred percent. Sweet dude. All right. This one wasn't so bad. I kind of thought like the nutrition one was going to be a, a beast, but I mean, obviously yeah. we, we just scratched the surface of a couple things. And I think that like we say with all of these Q and A's, if we'd love to hear people's feedback and questions, maybe that came out of this. Um, if you have other questions, if you crazy disagree with us, that'd be cool. Like we'd like to hear that too. Like we want to hear feedback so we can have yeah. more conversations and like do some more research and, and bring some other topics to the table. So, yeah. um, yeah. Let us know what you think. And if you're listening and you think you have a question that will be a question or a topic that me and Ashley will disagree on, definitely ask us because we're we're so uh, ready for it. We just want to get a fight on the internet. I'm like, (laughs) I don't know. I feel like there's probably enough of that right now, but no, I think the fact that we do agree on so many things and also that, um, you and I respect each other enough that if we did agree with disagree on something, we could have kind of an interesting civil conversation about it, which is why I think it would be good. So we just need to find something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you're listening, ask us, ask him, ask us some hard questions, harder questions that will be like a, I don't know, controversy, something provocative. I I can't even think of anything myself except for the stupid squash. Yeah. I, I'll come up with something. Don't worry. I'll, I'll take All some right. time and think about what we could fight about. <laughs> yeah. And then also too, like, it doesn't have to be with the questions because we'll hopefully be doing more of these. So literally like any questions on any topic, like we did the, the last episodes we did building muscle, cardio mindset. mindset. This is nutrition. Um, so any of those related topics or, or really anything else we're, yeah. we're both open books. Yeah. Ready to go. All right. Thanks. Thanks for showing us Lilo today. Yeah. Maybe she'll Hopefully be back she's for behaving right now. You should go and check and see if your uh, house is torn apart. Yeah. I might need to do that. All right. Thanks, Rachel. All right. Talk to you soon.
Okay, folks, that's all for this week. I hope you found it helpful. If you have other nutrition questions for us, send them in. Send me a DM on Instagram at the Muscle Maven. Send me an email. You can do that through my website. Um, we'd love to do these kinds of Q and A uh, episodes because I just think that they're kind of fun and conversational, and it's good to actually answer specific questions that you guys have. So just always feel free to reach out. I'm here. I'm a real person. I want to hear from you. Um, and if you could pass along the positivity by sharing the podcast with someone that you think could benefit. Um, leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't yet. It makes a big difference for me. Make sure that you subscribe. Um, subscribe on YouTube. Like the videos. Like Just interact with it as much as you can because that really helps me um, continue to, to grow this thing and, and get it in front of the right people. So I appreciate you for that. I appreciate my brand new show sponsor, Medicine Man Plant Co. I know you guys might be thinking like, what's up with all the like plant, plant supplement uh, partners recently? <laughs> and you know, it's because, you know, I love my supplements. You know that I love covering all of the bases in terms of proactively addressing my health and immunity. I'm not messing around. I'm not trying to get sick. I'm not trying to have any downtime. I want to be healthy all the time. And my lifestyle, I believe, sets me up for success for that. I would say that the biggest things that I do are not uh, supplementing. It's it's walking outside, it's exercising, it's eating a animal protein, very nutrient dense diet. It's trying my best to get some good sleep um, and just living sort of a positive, happy life as much as I can. However, these things help. Every little bit helps. And if you have the ability and willingness to try new things and support your immune system and your body's function with these supplements, or in this case, just sort of medicinal um, plants that we've used forever um, to support your, your body's function and being strong and healthy and robust, like why not do this, right? Their immunity pill um, I was using throughout the winter of the, I guess the second winter of the pandemic. Ugh, that's depressing to say. But anyway, um, used it, liked it, thought it helped. Um, if you have any questions about their products, I'll probably be talking about them more on social media um, as we move forward, but you can go to their website, medicinemanplantco.com. Um, my discount, Muscle Maven, will save you 20% off their products if you want to give them a try. Um, and they have a whole range of products, which again, like I said, I'll get into more later, but love this company, love what they're doing, use their products, wanted to pass that along to you. So Muscle Maven, 20% off medicinemanplantco.com. Go check them out. Have a wonderful week. Go get some sunshine. I'll see you here next week.